Welcome to The Blueprint, a podcast for you and your life as a professional. The people I have conversations with don't have to be famous. They have to be making a living doing what they do. My goal is to get you the information you need to make real decisions, start a career, change a career, get your money right and get a handle on your operations. This is a career day in a box podcast. I am Philip Llanos, and maybe this is the blueprint for you. Perfected is a sustainable women's wear brand catering to women with a large chest and smaller frame sizes 0 to 12. Perfected is forging a new category of fashion by designing clothes with a women's chest in mind. Their mission is to change the dialogue of over-sexualizing and body-shaming big boobs. Perfected provides clothing options when you don't want your chest to be a distraction. Alice Kim is a fashion industry veteran with over two decades of experience under her belt, having worked for brands including Diane von Fostenberg, Prada, and Victoria's Secret leading roles in merchandising, buying, and licensing. Alice is also a graduate of Dartmouth College and is a native New Yorker. Without further ado, Alice Kim. Yeah, no, no worries. Thank you so much for making the time. I, I get it. You're you're under the gun for a lot of things. I see you guys crushing it. Oh my God. Thank you for saying that. But it's it's so crazy. Um, so funny. I was talking to Luciana yesterday. She's like, no, you have to talk to him. And I was traveling. I was in LA last week uh, for the whole week. But as a solopreneur, when you're gone, then who's shipping the goods and stuff, right? So then I had to turn off all the ads or whatever. Now playing catch up. It's just yeah, so much, but this is, yeah, no, this is so helpful for everybody, right? Because if you, even when I think, I mean, I'm happy to share my age, but um, I've been in the industry for over two decades. I started off my career as a banker. And then when I went into fashion, um, you know, I worked at Victoria's Secret and Prada and I was like, oh my God, you know, the runway models, right? Back then it was like early 2000s. And then at Prada, um, you know, I was like, you know, I don't want mass market. I want to go designer. And you think of the glitz and the glam, but it's really, you're behind the desk, right? A job is a job is a job, right? So yeah. um, despite what category, what brand you work for. So I think that's the reality of it. And just understanding within fashion, all the different aspects, right? So like, I know you spoke to Luciana, she's a designer by trade. I am not, I'm a merchant by trade. So mm-hmm. what, what is a merchant? And people were like, well, you work for Prada, you work for Diane von Furstenberg. What do you buy? Like you are the brand. Well, you work with a designer, someone like Luciana, um, who sketches, right. And gives you all of these designs. And every season they may say, here's a new 200 styles or however many. Um, and then as the buyer, we are in touch with the customer, right? And we look at data, what sells, who's the customer demographic, what size are they, where do they live, right? So depending on that, your size can skew to smaller versus larger, right? Depending on the weather, it is your best store or is your customer based in Florida, which is warmer weather, or are they based in Aspen, which is colder weather, right? So depending on that, you really have to have a merchant decide in my Aspen store or for that customer, I need winter clothes or long sleeves versus in my warmer doors, I need tank tops and short sleeves. And let's think of shoes, sandals versus boots, right? 
And depending on the demographic or the, sorry, geography um, sizing, right? So when I was a woman shoe buyer at Prada, my colder doors had taller women. So I sold size 11, 12, 13 more than my warmer doors or urban doors, city doors where size five and six and seven, you know, we're selling. So thinking of different things like that, that's what a buyer does, right? And also as a buyer, you need, no matter how pretty an item is, if the item doesn't sell, you don't have a sustainable business, right? You need to make money. So oftentimes, you know, designers are like, oh my God, all this avant-garde, beautiful stuff. And that's great for editorial to catch someone's eye. But what always sells time and time again is black, the color black. So seasonally, you have seasonal colors, you know, you have pops of prints, but what the number one color that sells, it doesn't matter what category it is, right? Bras, shoes, t-shirts, men or women, it's always black because that's safe and it, it's versatile and matches everything. Wow. I mean, that's an education in itself. And and, I, and that's when the next question I've always had in mind is a lot of people often they go to like school, like fashion institute technology, you know, or fit them here in LA where I'm at. And, uh, you know, the question always lies, like it lives there. Like where do the original designers go to school, right? Before there was a school. So are there benefits, pros and cons to school? Cause you know, debt's a real thing. And if you want to go the solopreneur route, like you're going, you know, there's, there's cost benefit analysis. So in your opinion, do, do people have to go to school or are there better ways or is it better to go to school because you have a network or et cetera? I personally am a believer in school just because like you said, um, you know, your friends, the friends and the people that you meet become, I mean, I don't, they're, they're your treasure, right? Like I say, your network is your net worth. Right. So, and if you have people that have similar minds, they can help each other. So like myself being part of the accelerator program with Luciana, we're able to help each other and we've had varying. So she's really good at designing. So if I have like a pattern question, which is not my forte, then I can ask her, but you know, she doesn't really understand um, line sheets or, you know, the profit margin, right. Return rates and things like that, which I um, have, I guess yeah. I'm expert in, right. Because that was 20 years of my career and I can help her. So just surrounding yourself with other people with the same mindset that have different skills, I think rounds you out, right. Without having to hire. Um, I also think School is important only because you need the foundation. For me, I needed to learn math, right? Um, to know my profit and loss statements, right. um, to know myself through percentages, markdowns, right? So the fundamentals, you need to be there. But, you know, I think it's overrated going to school for too long. So do I think you need, you know, post-bachelor, MBA and all that, maybe not. I think if you're pivoting careers completely, um, maybe that's necessary, but um, yeah, I don't think prolonged schooling is yeah. necessary, right? But I think the basic, the fundamentals are. So for example, if you wanna go into design, like I don't know how to sew. So if you went to school for design, like that's such a great asset, right? Same thing for marketing, learning how to use Illustrator and Photoshop. Um, in design, like those things, I didn't go to school for, so I don't know, but can you learn that on the side? Absolutely. You can take some classes. 
Um, so yes, there are pros and cons, but I'm probably an advocate of school because I went to school and I want to justify it. <laughs> <laughs> I respect that. No, and, and there, uh, there's always a thing. I think there's a difference if somebody hears this and they go, okay, well, now I know why I'm going to school instead of like, I'm going there because it's going to promise me a career because nothing is promised. That's but, right often people don't see that, right? But if you hear from a professional who's literally making a living, doing what they do, making it work, balancing the numbers, let's call it that, right? Yeah, school gives you a network, you know, and then it leads you to opportunities like joining accelerators through your network and things of that nature. So- And also I think, you know, if you do go to school, people give you that automatic assumption that you are educator, you have that degree, right? So they give you, like you kind of have a leg up, I guess I would say. Um, but talent, you know, trumps everything, right? So there are so many designers who didn't go to school for it, but it's just innate and you love style. You have style and you can't teach trend and style, right? Personal style. There so it is. That, yes. I needed to know that because I had asked, uh, actually, Luciana, I had asked her, I, I, like, is it a gift? You know, do you, do you go to school for it? But that there it is. It's good to know you can't teach trend or style. Yep. So no matter what, I mean, I've worked at big companies that are very analytical. Um, won't say the name, their names, but you can look at my LinkedIn <laughs> where I've worked, but huge companies, right. That are, that are based off of algorithms. And yes, you know, the numbers, but what I would say to these people are you can't predict the next trend, right? You still need that human touch and feeling it's the emotion, right. That these products, call it clothes, you know, whatever the style or the trend is that it evokes at that moment, right? Depending on the societal times. And and I, I, I want to use that as a, as, a, as a way to transition into talking about perfected and specifically because, like I said, my girlfriend showed me a picture of what you guys were doing on Instagram and I was like, wow. And, and I never knew it was an issue. She said, part of the reason I'm always just wearing hoodies or, you know, just sort of because I can't wear anything that doesn't fit me right and also maybe it costs too much attention and it makes me feel weird and you know she started talking about how like you look at the advertising the adverts that are out there and, and it shows this one specific body type as if that's all types and it opened my eyes to something I didn't see and being that I love her so much I was like wow I, I had no idea so to have the opportunity to talk to somebody literally championing that cause and changing that like first of all tell me like just tell me the story and just share a little, if you can, of where the future like lies for the company. Oh my gosh. I mean, I want to touch as many people as possible. So like you said, the fashion industry is very interesting. So I'm going to back up a little bit because okay. if you think about it, um, the fashion industry only catered to 32% of the population. So studies, so many studies show that 68%, let's call it 70%, roughly 70% of women in the United States are size 14 and up, meaning plus size. Yet plus size only came into the market, maybe let's call it a decade ago. So up until a decade ago, and even now they're still underrepresented by brands. So not enough brands cater to plus size, quality goods and stylish goods. They assume that you just want to look like a potato sack. And why don't you want couture and designer dresses too, which is, you know, asinine, excuse my French. No. Um, and, you know, so, so if you think about it, all the brands that have existed up until a decade ago has been catering to 32% of the population which is a minority, right? Yeah. That's crazy to think about. Then you break it down even further and look at body shapes, right? 
breast size, nobody catered to, everyone caters to flat chested women or smaller chested women, right? If you look down the runway, if you look in any advertisement, very few up until recent years have they shown any curves, right? So, and if you think of double Ds, you either think porn star or you think plus size, Right. They're like, you know, everyone's eyes get googly right. and they're right. like, oh, my it's God. A real stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. And then especially as an Asian woman, myself, you know, you're you're deemed to be petite. Right. And skinny and meek. So for me to be curvy, I was always insecure my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I wanted I considered a breast reduction. Um, I'm a 32 double D now. Literally had this conversation with my girlfriend the other day. Yes. Yes. <sighs> because we feel fat. Right, I'm fatter than every you know stretch of the meeting, but I'm fatter than every other Asian girl, right? Because I have boobs, but this is naturally how I was born, um, and so how clothes hang off of my chest. I look bigger than I am. I don't have a pot belly, but I do look it because my chest protrudes, and that's how it hangs. And if I wear shirts that fit my frame, I'm exploding, so I look indecent. I'm 40 years old. I cannot walk into a boardroom with my boobs hanging out. I will not get the respect, nor will I get promoted. We do not, unfortunately, we don't live in a world where you can walk into the boardroom with your boobs hanging out and get respect. You can't walk into church, places of worship. You can't walk into, you know, be around school, right? Like nurseries and children's school around children, you know, dressed inappropriately, right? In the corporate workforce, you cannot, you know, HR will speak to you about dressing inappropriately. So if you have this body type, what do we do? We have to settle with either wearing baggy clothes that make us look frumpy and insecure, or we have to pay more money to get our clothes tailored. So having been in fashion now for two decades, I said, there has to be, there has to be change. I was hoping somebody else would do it and nobody was. So I saw this big white space and said, if not me, you know, someone else is going to do it. Why not me? And I think, you know, having 20 years under my belt gave me the confidence um, to start something. And I think it's a women's time right now. I think there's fewer barriers to entry um, for entrepreneurs and Asians, let's speak up, you know, like May is Asian Heritage Month, but also I don't see many women at top and especially not Asian women at top. And F that I'm born and raised here in New York City. And, you know, I'm not that quiet. Yes. And I'm not that quiet, <laughs> meek person. And I, I, you know, I see, I love fashion. I see trend. I mean, that was my job, right? Even as a divisional, I, I cover carried over 550 brands. So I would go to the brands and say, Hey, this is a trend. You're missing this color, that color. Um, and just provides that I want it to be accessible for women too. Right. But also sustainable. Right. I don't want, I, my prices are a little, you know, they're, they're about a hundred dollars, which is okay. not designer. Um, but during COVID I had to pivot to manufacture in the United States. So manufacturing in the United States is much more expensive yeah. and BM using sustainable materials, right? So whether it's organic cotton, that's hypoallergenic um, and breathable or um, Pima and Supima, so the highest quality. So it withstands more washes and right. um, you can hold on to its quality material and paying fair, wa- fa- fair wage labor, I think is extremely important. So all that combined, 
um, you know, it's quality that you're paying for. But so that's what I launched with. Um, so it's four sizes, zero to 12. Because like I said, when you think of double D's and larger chest, you immediately think plus size. And so if you're not plus size, then where do you belong? Because we don't fit into standard market size, right? Because of our chest. So it's really creating a voice and a safe space for women like us, women like me. Um, and when I did the digging, over 20 million women fall into this bucket just in the United States. So basically from the 30% of women that are standard size, right? Meaning not plus size, about half and half are D cups and up versus A through C. So it's a huge opportunity. I think brands are just going to start popping up. Yeah. They're going to follow your lead. Yeah. So I want to <laughs> you know, lead the four. Yeah. Be, be the front runner and really, and selling product is so important, right? To give women confidence and provide options. But I really want to change the dialogue around boobs. You know, it's over-sexualizing and body shaming and women are the worst. Women body shame each other, right? Because women are jealous of other women, right? So if you have big boobs because we get attention from men, they're like, slut, you're promiscuous. So I slouch like this because if I stand with my shoulders back, it looks like I'm sticking out my chest and I would get made fun of like, you know, you're, you're sticking out your chest. You're trying to brag. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And I would get called slut all the time because of just how clothes fit me. Right. So it was so embarrassing. And, you know, it made me feel insecure really. And then, but if you're flat too, then people make fun of you. Right. So yeah. I have my friends who are like, I've been called a boy flat as a boy flat as a board. So it's like, but women do this to each other. Why? Right. We need to shift that. Yeah. We have to shift that dialogue. Like it's not taking away from somebody else. Right. We have to accept our bodies for who, how we're made. And finally at the age of 40, I'm okay with it. And I'm proud. And I actually love the Kardashians because they're the ones, despite all the hate they get, their marketing geniuses. And they made being curvy, sexy and acceptable and cool. And now women are paying to look like us, <laughs> so right? True. To have bigger breasts. And if you so think true. about it, who's getting breast augmentations, not plus size, it's this demographic that I'm going after. Yeah. Oh man. What a powerful message, powerful story, powerful reason to start your business. You know, looking back, if, if you had to do this in a shorter, uh, shorter trajectory, how would you have approached that? Uh, just overall, like the fact that you, it took you your whole life to find that your cause, uh, your life itself could have been your cause for a business and this and that, but also you wouldn't have developed all those skills. So if you had to sort of give yourself a shortcut, the younger you, you know, or whatever, the, the you before you started your business, what would you say to yourself? Oh my gosh, so much. Uh, <laughs> um, I would say start, you know, if you have an idea, start early, meaning start talking to people. So until I started sharing my story and other women said, wait, I'm a 32 double D, I'm a 34 double D. And then I did my research. I didn't know. The average America, the average bra size in the United States is a 34 double D. Wow. If you could believe it, but nobody, you know, until you do your research. So I would say, A, do your research, have a focus group of whether it's start with 20 women, start with 10, then 20, then 30, you know, keep going up but have a focus group. And if you have enough people that buy into your idea, start your business. Listen, I say my motto is fail fast and pivot quickly because if you don't try, you won't know. And I think the best ideas have yet to be tapped into. We're not reinventing the wheel, right? I'm not 
developing a new shirt that's never existed before, I'm tailoring it, right? I'm using different technical specs, special fabric, right? So I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm being more thoughtful about it. So it's just make whatever's out there better and go with it. And if it fails, then you're young enough to pivot. The other thing that I would say is surround yourself with good people because being a solopreneur and entrepreneur is a very lonely road. So unlike working for corporate where you may have a class or teammates, um, you can't afford to hire other people, right? Oftentimes, if you're starting um, yourself, so surround yourself with other similar like-minded people um, that are on the same journey. So although, for example, Luciana and I aren't creating the same product, but we're both using Shopify as a platform. So from that, which third-party apps are you using? Who, which podcasts have, have featured you? Like you're you, and you know that's how we met, right? So it's really other people holding your hand and you know bringing you up together. And I want to tell everybody that there's space for everyone. Don't look at others as competition. You have, you know, how many bra brands are there? How many sneaker brands are, are out there? Right. Yeah. Yes. If you have finite budget, you'll choose Nike versus Adidas, right? You'll choose one, but there's enough to go around and work together. Really, like I, I can't stand it when people refuse to speak to you or, you know, they, they won't help you because they look at you as competition. There's room for both of us. And no matter what, we'll have our own twist to it right? How many podcasts are out there, but what you're providing and the segment that you're targeting is so targeted and looking for you. There's space for you. They'll listen to your podcast as well as other podcasts, right? So just be authentic to yourself and work together. I love that. I mean, there's such a togetherness and such a, this is not a competition. I've looked at yes. the numbers. There's plenty to go around, yes. like in your philosophy. And then your product is, is, is really solving a problem. It's true business at its finest entrepreneurship, you know, and it's good quality. You know, it's a, it's a premium product and, and it helps so many. There's so many pluses and you're so generous with like your stories. How can people support what you're doing? Obviously check out your Instagram, right? Go to your website. What else? What, what can people do for you? talk about it, right? Like, let's talk, let, just sharing your stories. Like, I would love to hear your story. So DM me on Instagram, find me on LinkedIn, um, just share your story. And we need to talk about it because if we don't talk about it, then we can't change it. So first of all, it's, you know, let's talk about body shaming and how do we rectify that, right? Let's share our stories because oftentimes people don't know, like had Luciana not introduced us, like you would never have thought of this story, like, oh, this is a real problem that people with big boobs have, right? This yeah. insecurity, because in many people's eyes, they're like, boo-hoo, you're skinny with big boobs. And I'm like, fuck you. You don't know. <laughs> it yeah. really is a struggle. And we get made fun of, you know, and it's a huge, it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> no, I, I yeah. Get so it. yeah, I would say, you know, buy from female-owned brands. That's follow right. LinkedIn. Yeah. Like just support each other is really what it is. I'm all about it, Alice. I, I know you're tight on time and, and we're going to keep it tight, but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Seriously. Can't thank you enough. Everyone, if you're listening as a listener who's benefited from this, I, I behoove you to go check out the Instagram, check out the website and spread the story. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Blueprint. I hope it was helpful. 
And as always, I'm open to feedback. Please follow our guest where they directed you to. And also connect with me on LinkedIn. Or you can even get more personal and connect with me on Instagram. Either way, let's network. Let's build. And let me know who else you'd like to hear about. What other industries and professions you're interested in. 